Welcome to the Celebration Church podcast and thanks so much for tuning in. Celebration Church is one church in 10 locations across Southeast Louisiana. We are all about changing lives, homes, our city, and the world through Jesus Christ. We hope that you're both encouraged and challenged by today's message. Well, good morning. I want to join Pastor Stephen and welcome you here today. We are glad to have you here with us today on this day when the Saints are playing the Atlanta Falcons. Everybody say, who that? I don't think we have more than one or two Atlanta Falcons in our church family, Atlanta Falcon fans, and we spend all of our time giving them a hard time. Amen? Well, speaking of a hard time, a lot of missionaries around the world are going through a hard times, so we appreciate your generosity in helping us. Uh, you just saw Pastor David Poo and his wife Gloria and his children actually at a conference a couple weeks ago for 100 pastors in India. Uh, did it by Zoom. That's the way you do things these days. But let me tell you, God's still on the move all across the world, transforming people's hearts and transforming people's lives, and we're glad to be a part of that. Amen. I want you to take your Bible or your Bible app today and turn with me to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. Now, last weekend, we began a new series of messages titled, All I Want for Christmas. Now, the song goes, all I want for Christmas is what? My two front teeth. Now, maybe you need your two front teeth this Christmas. But what we discovered is that people want things like joy and peace contentment and God's provision in their life. And those are the topics we're looking at in this series, All I Want for Christmas. Now, last weekend, we learned about how, how we can have real joy, lasting joy, regardless of the circumstances or situation in our lives. Today, we want to learn how to have peace of mind in our heart and lives. So you follow along as I read, beginning in Philippians chapter 4, verse 4. The Bible says, always be full of joy in the Lord. Say that with me. Always be full of joy, not much of the time, not most of the time, but say it again. Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Let everyone see that you're considered in all that you do. Remember, the Lord is coming soon. Don't worry about most things. Is that what it says? Don't worry about, I won't say it again. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which He sees anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing. Then the God of of peace will be with you. And how many of you believe when the God of peace is with you, you can have the peace of God every day of your lives? Amen? Now, Lord, speak to us today by your word, by your spirit, through this pastor in ways that will encourage us and strengthen us and enable us to live peace-filled lives regardless of the circumstances or relationships of our lives. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody said, amen. Let me ask you on a scale of one to ten. With one be the low mark, ten be the high mark. On a scale of one to ten, how peace-filled is your life? Now, some of you could say, well, I'm up at an eight or a nine, Pastor Dennis. But most people would say, at the bottom of the scale, I'm at a two or a three or a four because of the circumstances of my life, because of the challenges of my life, because of the difficulties of my life. But how many of you know it's a lot better to live a peace-filled life than a peaceless life? Anybody know what I'm talking about? I've had multimillionaires say to me, Pastor, I'd give up everything if I could just have a week's night of peace. They didn't really mean it, but that's what they said at the moment. 
That's how they felt because peace is so important for us in our life. Most people, peace is something that most people seem to want, but few people seem to have. Now, many people live without peace because of problems in their life. Anybody besides me ever had problems in your life? You've heard me say before, everybody either has a problem, is a problem, or lives with a problem. Because problems are part of life. People have health problems and financial problems and emotional problems and relational problems and vocational problems. And because of those problems, those problems rob us of peace in our lives. Some people live without much peace because of performance failures or performance issues in our lives. When, when our productivity, our performance doesn't match up to what we or others think it might be, it robs us of peace in our life. And then sometimes people have uh, live without much peace because of other people in their lives. Can I be honest with you? Other people rob me of peace more than anything else in all of life. Now, people, sometimes I, the people who rob us of peace can be our children. Our children. Uh, I tell people, especially, by the way, if you have teenagers, you really struggle to find peace in your life. I tell people, if, I tell people, if you have teenagers... You have no fear of nuclear war. You've been in the war already. Now, one time a mother of a teenage girl said to another mother of a teenage girl, I'm so stressed out, I'm so anxious, I'm so worried. My daughter won't tell me about anything. And the other mother said, I'm stressed out and worried because my daughter tells me about everything. And the other person that robs you of peace could be your children or your spouse, could be your in-laws, could be your sibling, could be the people you work with, could be the people you live beside. But so oftentimes we allow problems and performance failures and other people to rob us of peace in our lives. But here's what I want you to know today. Here's what I want you to believe. The Lord wants us to live peace-filled lives. How to know that? Because of what Jesus said in John chapter 14. Jesus said, I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled and don't be afraid. He said in John 16, 33, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. Now, how many of you would prefer living a peace-filled life rather than a worry-filled, stress-filled, discouraged life? Let me see your hands. Well, here today, we want to learn from the Word of God how to access God's peace so we can live with God's peace in our mind and in our lives every day of our lives, regardless of the circumstances or relationships of our lives. Now, two things I want you to note today. First of all, having peace of mind requires identifying the sources of our lack of peace, understanding who or what robs us of peace in our heart and life. Now, the Bible says sometimes we allow adversities to rob us of peace in our mind. Last week, we studied the first few verses of Philippians chapter 4. I want to take you back to verse 1 where Paul writes, Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stay true to the Lord. Now, when you see the word therefore in the Bible, you've got to examine why it's therefore or what it's therefore. And, and, and the Paul wrote these words encouraging the Christians in Philippi, Philippians chapter 4. He wrote to them to encourage them to remain true to the Lord because they were going through such so much adversity in their life. They were dealing with plagues. They were dealing with famines. They were dealing with persecution. They were dealing with problems. They were dealing with economic issues. And, and then uh, they lived under the rule of a man by the name of Nero Claudius Caesar who hated Christians and Christianity. You're talking about living in a difficult time. What we're experiencing in the 21st century pales to what people were experiencing in the first century. Now, i got to confess, this has been one of the most difficult years of my life. How about you? 
all the adversity we've experienced, beginning with the COVID-19 pandemic, and then the economic downturn that occurred because of that, uh, the social unrest, the civil unrest in our nation, the, uh, the political uh, squabbling back and forth, all those kinds of things. I mean, uh, there's so many things happening in our world today. No wonder people have a little or no peace in their life. But the Bible says, don't let the adversities of life rob you of joy and peace in your life. In fact, Jesus said these words. He said, in this world, you will have trouble, but be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. In other words, if you have Jesus, you can overcome all the problems of your life. Amen? And you can live with peace in your life if you have Jesus in your life. So, uh, sometimes adversities rob us of peace in our mind and lives. Sometimes adversaries rob us of peace in our mind and lives. Paul said in verse 2, he, he was writing to appeal to Judea and Syntyche, uh, women in the church who were getting along, who were squabbling one another, arguing with one another. Let me ask you, do you ever have conflict with other people in your life? Again, if you're a parent of a teenager, you know what I'm talking about right there. If you're married, you probably have conflict Every once in a while, I'll, I'll meet a couple who tell me they never fight, and I wonder, you must be sleeping in separate bedrooms or something, yeah? Because conflict with others is a part of life. We're all going to have disagreements with others at times. There'll be times when we have people in our lives who don't like us, whom we have conflict with others, and there'll be people who become real adversaries of us in our lives. My wife's been watching the um, Netflix uh, drama, uh, The Crown. Anybody else been watching The Crown? about Queen Elizabeth and all those kinds of things. And, and in the early, we're just in the very early years of that, and it taught, features Winston Churchill, who was then the prime minister of Great Britain in the first part of the 20th century. He was a great man and a great leader and, and one of the great catalysts in World War II. Uh, but he often had his detractors, people who did not like him. In fact, the, the one person who really disliked him the most was a woman by the name of Lady Astor. In fact, she disliked him so much that one time she said to Winston Churchill, Mr. Churchill, if you were my husband, I would put arsenic in your tea. And he said, if you were my wife, I'd drink it. Now, you probably don't have anybody like that who would be willing to put arsenic in your tea, but, but you're going to have conflict with others. Paul wrote, anyone who belongs to Christ Jesus and wants to live right will have trouble from others. We're all going to have conflict and disagreements with others, and oftentimes those disagreements rob us of peace in our mind, in our lives. Now, the Bible says we're going to do everything we can to live at peace with everyone. It says we're to be peacemakers rather than peacebreakers, but, but sometimes our adversaries, our conflict with others, rob us of peace in our mind and lives. And then sometimes anxieties rob us of peace in our mind. Paul writes in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, don't worry about anything. Let me ask you, are there any worry warts here today? You didn't have to lift your hands. <laughs> I think a lot of people struggle with worry. They worry about this and they worry about that. They, they, they worry about their finances. They worry about their health. They, they worry about whether or not somebody scratched their car in the parking lot. They, they, they worry about their job. They, they, if their kids are late getting home, they worry that something's happened to them. If the boss is grouchy toward them, they worry that they're about to lose their job. If somebody walks by them and doesn't speak to them, they worry that the person doesn't like them anymore, something like that. They worry all the time about different things. In their life. And lots of people, lots of Christians live those kind of of lives. You worry about anything and you worry about everything. One time an exasperated husband said to his wife, why do you worry so much? It doesn't do any good. And she said, yes, it does. 90% of the things I worry about never happen. Well, the truth of the matter is 90% of the things he worried about never would happen. 
She's just wasting her time and energy on worry. By the way, even people with everything struggle with worry. The chairman of a national insurance company once said, I've been a chronic worrier all of my life. I'd sit at my desk worrying about a problem in my business and then began to worry about the business going bankrupt. That would lead me to worry about, worrying about how, I support, about how I was going to support myself and what I would do in my old age. If I didn't have business problems, I would find something else to worry about. I found myself spending half of my day worrying and half the night as well. Now, here was a guy with possessions and power and influence and, and popularity and all those kinds of things, but he, he still struggled with worry. He still didn't have any peace in his mind, any peace in his life. Now, when we're traveling, when Vicky and I are driving and traveling, she likes to stop at a restaurant named Cracker Barrel. Anybody else ever been to Cracker Barrel? Anybody here like Cracker Barrel? Cracker Barrel, she likes Cracker Barrel. She likes the greens. I don't like greens, but I sure enjoy the biscuits and the jelly. You know, they bring out. You know, on the front porch of Cracker Barrel, they have these things called rocking chairs. Anybody ever sit in one? A rocking chair. You sit there and you just rock away while you're waiting for them to call for you to come in. Let me tell you, worry is a lot like a rocking chair. It will give you something to do, but it won't get you anywhere. Let me tell you, there are two, basically two things we should never worry about. Things we can change and things we cannot change. If you can change it, Go ahead and change it. If you can't change it, why worry about it? It's going to happen anywhere. The Bible says that worry is the opposite of the peace and the result of an ungodly imagination. It's a lack of trust and faith in the Lord. That's why Jesus said in Matthew 6, don't worry. Say, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly Father, he already knows your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. Do you believe that scripture from Jesus? Do you believe those words from Jesus? So let me ask you again, who or what is robbing you of peace of mind in your, peace in your mind your life? If it's adversity or antagonist or needless anxiety, make up your mind. You're not going to allow those peace stealers to rob you of peace anymore in your life. The Lord doesn't want you to live a peaceless life. He wants, to live, he wants you to live a peace-filled life. You got to learn how to turn those problems over to the Lord. Now, the Saints are having quarterback problems. Everybody's aware of that, right? The Saints are having quarterback problems. They're down to the second-string quarterback, maybe the third-string quarterback. What, what if they drafted you to play quarterback for them this year? And you were the quarterback, and you were getting under center, and in the backfield, there were two backs that you had. You could, you could either give the ball to Dennis Watson or to Alvin Kamara. Who would you give the ball to? Some of you are thinking, I give the ball to you, Pastor Dennis, so I can see you run from those defensive linemen right there. No, you give the ball to the right person. Here's what I'm telling you. When you're struggling with, when you're struggling with a lack of peace because of the adversity or the adversaries or the, or the anxiety you have, you've got to learn how to give the ball to Jesus. He is the Prince of Peace. So how do you do that? How do we turn over our worries, our cares, our concerns uh, over to the Lord? Well, uh, that's the second thing here. Having peace of mind requires taking some steps to have peace of mind. Paul talks about those steps in today's scripture passage. To begin with, having peace of mind requires rejoicing constantly. Rejoicing constantly. Paul writes in Philippians 4, 4, Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Now, I would be okay with that statement if Paul had said, much of the time, rejoice in the Lord. Or most of the time, rejoice in the Lord. But that's not what he said. He said, 
Always be full of joy in the Lord. Now remember, he was writing those words from prison. Uh, where he was an innocent man being detained uh, before his appearance before Caesar. He was also likely facing death. Why could then Paul write, always be full of joy in the Lord? It's because he knew who Jesus was to him and what Jesus had promised to him and how Jesus would be there for him. Yeah, I think Paul wrote those words because when we're constantly focused on who the Lord is to us, what he's done for us, and what he's promised to us, it gives us peace in our mind and life. In fact, it also gives us strength in our mind and life. Nehemiah said to the people of the Old Testament, he said, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Say that with me. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Come on, say it again. The joy. And so when we have joy in our heart and life, we have a lot less anxiety and worry and discouragement in our heart and life. You know what I've discovered? We talked about this last week. I've discovered that happiness depends upon circumstances but you can have joy every day of your life if you have Jesus in your life. It's been my privilege to travel all around the world. I've been to over 35 countries preaching the gospel and leading crusades and training pastors and leaders and business leaders as well. And, but I always take time, whatever country I go to, to do some ministry with children. And listen, whether you're with children in Nicaragua which is the second most poverty-stricken country in the Western Hemisphere, or in Honduras, which is the third most poverty-stricken country in the Western Hemisphere, or I've been in places in Africa where the children had never seen running water or electricity. I've been in places where people had absolutely nothing, but those children still had joy in their life. They had joy because they knew they were loved by the Lord, and they had joy because they knew they were loved by others. How many of you know you're loved by the Lord? Let me see your hands right there. How many of you know at least one other person in the world who loves you? Come on, I love you, so you can put your hand up right there, all right? And so here's what I'm telling you. If you've got, if you know the Lord loves you and you know other people love you, you can have joy every day of your life, and joy brings peace to your heart and life. Having peace of mind also requires praying with fervency and faith. Paul says in verses 6 and 7, these are verses you need to put on your refrigerator, on the dashboard of your car, on your desk at work somewhere. He writes, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. If you do this, if you do this, you will experience God's peace in your mind and life. The word pray here is a generic word for prayer in the Greek language. It carries with it the attitude or devotion uh, of devotion or adoration. It means we're to spend time every day just focusing on the Lord, praising the Lord, exalting the Lord, and thanking the Lord. And, and when we do that, when we do that, we won't be overwhelmed by the stresses and the cares and the worries because we'll be reminded of how big God is. He's a lot bigger than all the problems we face in our lives. The truth about it is our problems look so big to us, don't they? They look so huge to us. The lady in the service here earlier, uh, her little grandson, I love to see what she posts about her little grandson because he comes up with some creative ideas and sayings. And he tells big whoppers, you know? Little boys tell big, what we used to call whoppers there, big lies sometimes. Uh, one time, a little boy named Harold, he was always lying. His mother was frustrated. That. She said, Harold, I don't want to hear any more lies. If you, if you lie to me one more time, I'm going to punish you severely. She should have known. That was going to be an on day, ongoing occurrence. She was having some friends over for coffee, and they were having a good time chatting when Harold, wanting attention, burst into the circle there, and he said, Mama, there's a big lion on the doorstep. 
She said, Harold, I know there's not a line on the doorstep, but I'm going to go look, and if you're lying to me, I'm going to send you upstairs for a while. Went to the door, started to open the door, and thought, maybe there's a line. So she looked in the curtains, and it wasn't a lion. It was a little house cat, a, a house cat, big house cat, just sitting there on the doorstep. And she came back in, and she scolded Harold in front of her friend. She said, Harold, you've lied to me again. That's a, not a lion. That's a cat. Go up to your room right now. In fact, I want you to spend the next 30 minutes in your room talking to the Lord about why you become such a big liar. Fifteen minutes later, not 30 minutes, 15 minutes later, Harold came walking down the stairs, and one of the ladies asked him, Harold, and when you were up there talking to the Lord, what did he have to say about what you've done? And Harold said, when I talked to the Lord, the Lord told me that when he looked at that cat, he thought it was a lion as well. Now, here's what I'm telling you. Oftentimes, the problems we encounter in life look as big as lions. But when we talk to the Lord, they become like little kittens before us. They lose their power. They lose their authority. They, they, they lose uh, uh, the fearsomeness and all those kinds of things. You see, the, here's, here's what I'm telling you. The more you pray, the less worry and stress and anxiety you'll have in your life. You know what I know about people who worry all the time? They're not praying enough in their life. The more you pray, the less worry you have. The more worry you have, it demonstrates the lack of prayer in your life. And so you've got to learn how to pray. You've got to pray fervently and daily and strategically and all of those kinds of things. And, uh, and here's what the Bible says. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and wonderful results. In other words, the more you pray, the more God shows up and shows out in your life. How many of you have seen God work some mighty big things in response to your prayers? Let me see your hand. I've seen God heal people and deliver people. I've seen God raise people from the dead. I've seen God uh, reconcile the most broken relationships. I've seen God open up the windows of heaven and pour out financial provision. I'm telling you, our God is a people-loving, prayer-answering, miracle-working, mighty, miraculous God. Uh, and the more you pray, the more you remind it of how big God is and how little the problems of life are compared to Him. And the more peace you have in your life. Having peace of mind also requires living a godly life. Paul says in verse 7, His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. What does it mean to live in Christ Jesus? It means to live a committed life, to live a life in a, of, in a relationship with Him, to live a godly life. You see, living a godly life means that we are committed to the Lord's priorities and principles. We're committed to living them out in our lives. In fact, the Hebrew word, uh, the, the words for peace in the Hebrew language and the Greek language help us to understand that. The word for peace in the Hebrew language is shalom. Everybody say shalom. Shalom means to be whole or complete. And we won't be whole or complete, the Bible says, until the Lord is first, number one, in our lives. He's got to be first in our life for us to be whole in our life, and he's got to be first in our life for us to have peace in our life. Jesus said this, he said, seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. That was right after Jesus talked about don't worry. The pagans are the people who worry. Those who know God, trust in him, put God first and, and, and seek him and he will take care. He'll drive away all the worries. He'll take care of everything else in your life. Now, the problem is with keeping God first in our life. Isn't that right? I remember when I first asked Vicki to marry me, I asked, when I said, I said to her, Vicki, if you marry me, you will always be number two in my life because Jesus will always be number one in my life. I meant that, but I didn't keep that promise. Can I be honest with you? Sometimes she was number one in my life. Sometimes our kids are number one in my life. Sometimes this church is number one. A lot of times I was number one in my life. 
But you know what I've discovered? Anytime anyone or anything comes before the Lord in my life, I have more stress, more anxiety, more worry in my life. But when the Lord is first, come on, say that with me. But when the Lord is first, when the Lord is first, and we're living a godly life, we have a lot more peace in our life. The Greek word for peace is Irene. Everybody say Irene. Irene means to be in agreement with or harmony with. And it reminds us that we can't have peace in our life until we're living in compliance with the Lord's will and way for our life. In other words, if we're living disobedient lives, we won't have any peace in our lives. But if we're living obedient lives, we know the Lord's in control. We have more peace in our life. Now, how many of you here are parents? Let me see your hands, your parents. And you're glad you're parents. I saw some hands go down right there. How many of you parents, how often, what percentage of the time do you parents expect your children to obey you? Is that bad, huh? Theoretically, you expect your children to obey you all of the time. When they only obey you part of the time, guess what? There ain't any peace in your heart, and there ain't any peace in their life. Isn't that right? Come on, tell the truth right there. It's the same way with the Lord. If we want to have peace in our heart and mind all the time, we've got to live obedient lives all of the time. Not perfect lives, but obedient lives. And the more obedient we are, the more peace we will have. Uh, The more obedient we are, the better relationship with the Lord will be, and the more peace we will have. The Bible says there is no peace for the disobedient. There is no peace for the wicked. But when you're loving the Lord and living for Him, trusting Him, and He's first in your life, you can have peace every day of your life. Then having peace of mind requires focusing on godly thinking. Look at verse 8 of Philippians 4. Paul writes, keep your minds on whatever is true, pure, right, holy, friendly, and proper. Think about those words, whatever is true, pure, right, holy, friendly, and proper. Don't ever stop thinking about what is truly worthwhile and worthy of our praise. Paul said, if you'll just keep your mind focused on good and godly things... You won't struggle with worry and stress and anxiety and fear in your life. You know, the Bible says it all starts here in the mind. It says in Proverbs 23, verse 7, As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. As a man thinks in his heart, so does he. I used to think if that verse is true, I should have been a girl when I was a teenager because that's all I thought about. But what it's telling us is what you think about is what you wind up doing or becoming. A person who thinks about negative things is going to become what? Negative person. A person who thinks about ungodly things is going to become what? Ungodly person. But a person who puts their mind on godly things, who puts their mind on God and the things of God, will become a more godly person. Remember, the the godlier we are in our life, the more peace we have in our life. The Bible says, set your mind on things above not on earthly things. So how do we do that? I'll tell you why it helps me. Having worship music on helps me throughout the day. Reading the Word of God in the morning helps me begin the day. Uh, uh, helping, uh, that's one of the reasons why I put together this uh, through the year devotional time where every day you can dive into God's Word with me and we can read through the entire Bible and learn h- how to focus our mind and our heart on God because the more our minds are focused on good and godly things, the more peace we have in our hearts and lives. In fact, the Bible says in Isaiah 26, 3, you, O Lord, will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are focused on you. Then having peace of mind requires trusting the Lord completely. 
Trust in the Lord completely. Paul writes in Philippians 4, verse 9, keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me. Everything you heard from me and saw me doing, then the God of peace will be with you. The God of peace will be with you. Now, the God of peace is the God of creation, and he's the God of salvation. He's the omnipotent, all-powerful, omniscient, all-knowing, omnipresent God. And how many of you know, when you got the God of peace on your side, you don't have to worry or or be anxious about anything in your life. Now, you're going to have trouble. You're going to go through difficulties. You're going to face challenges. You're going to be worried from time to time. But if you learn to put your trust in God, it drives away all those worries and frustration. Paul wrote these words in 2 Corinthians 1. He said, we think you ought to know about the trouble we went through in the province of Asia. We were crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure. Some of you may feel like that right now. He said, we thought we were never going to live through it. In fact, we expected to die, but as a result, we stopped relying on ourselves. But that's where the problem is right there. We stopped relying on ourselves and learned to rely only on God who raises the dead, and he did rescue us from mortal danger, and we are confident of this. He He'll rescue us again. Man, when you have that kind of confidence, that kind of faith, that kind of trust in the Lord, you can have peace every day of your life, regardless of the circumstances of your life. One man said to another man, I want to hire you to do my worrying. And I'm going to pay you $100,000 a year just to handle all my concerns and all my worries. And the second guy said, man, that sounds great, $100,000 a year, but let me ask you a question. Where are you going to get the world? Where are you going to get the money to pay for my salary? And the first man said, that's your first worry right there. <laughs> let me tell you, putting our faith and trust in God is not exactly like that, but it's sort of like hiring God to handle our problems, hiring God to handle our issues. I remember after Hurricane Katrina, and our first Sunday back ever in a building a month after Hurricane Katrina, we'd lost everything. Our campuses had been underwater, destroyed. There was never enough insurance money to pay for everything. And, and when I stood up to preach on that first Sunday, our people stood and cheered for like five minutes. Not for me, but for the Lord. They'd lost everything. Their homes had been flooded. They lost everything. I knew then we were going to make it because their faith in God was greater than our fear of the circumstances. And I said, you know what? While I'm the pastor of this church, I'm glad this is not my church. It's the Lord's church, and he is going to take care of his church, and he will take care of his people when our faith and our trust and our confidence is in him. Say, so I want you to ask yourself this question. What steps do I need to take to have more peace in my mind and life? Do you, spend, do you need to spend more time rejoicing on a daily basis, listening to worship music, making, a, making worship music, making a list of things you're grateful for? Do you need to spend more time praying? Do you have times in your life every day where you set aside to pray to the Lord? Because the more you pray, the less you're going to worry in your life. Do you need to get rid of some stinking thinking and constantly refocus your mind on that which is good and godly? Do you need to, you need to focus on living a godly life, not blending in with the rest of the world? Do you need to rise to a new level of trusting in the Lord? Whatever steps you need to take, start taking those steps that Paul tells us here in Philippians chapter 4, and you will find your stress and anxiety and discouragement lessening, and you'll find yourself with more peace, hope, and joy in your life. Sometimes, though, you just got to take the steps you need to take. 
My wife and I, we were uh, spent a week up in Gatlinburg, Tennessee. Anybody ever been up the mountains of Tennessee there? A uh, beautiful area. I know Tony and Anna were just there, and Ken and Kathy were just there, and others. And uh, so we decided to, we went to some shows, and uh, we decided to do a lot of hiking. Do a lot of hiking up in the trails. And, and we like to go see waterfalls. We've been to Victoria Falls in Africa, Iguazu Falls in Brazil, and, and those are incredible waterfalls. We'll, go, we'll, we'll hike through the woods or up a mountain to find a waterfall. It just reminds us of the beauty and the glory and the wonder of the Lord. And we had done that several times. And on the next to the last day, we were going to this trail we'd never been to. And when we drove for about 30 minutes to get there, and then at the beginning of the trail, there was this sign that said, do not take this hiking trail. There's an aggressive bear along this trail. So what would you have done? You know, sometimes all of us are not on our smartest day, you know? Actually, we started to turn and go away and, there was a young couple that came along with two little kids, and they said, we're going to go anyhow. And so Vicky and I decided to go along with them because I was like, what's going to happen to these kids if a bear shows up? Now, I knew what we were doing was wrong. It, all of a sudden, it went from a pleasurable experience of walking through the wilderness to give me a big stick somewhere. Let me find a big stick, and I'm going to have to be ready for this bear the whole time. It, it was a difficult trail. It took us about an hour and a half to get to the waterfall. Up and down, all around, and by the time we got there, Vicky was exhausted. We'd actually packed a couple of sandwiches, and I made her gulp the sandwiches down so the bear wouldn't smell the food. I mean, I was on high alert the whole time. On the way back, Vicky was really worn out. I'm telling you, it was a difficult trail. She was really worn out. I thought I was going to have to carry her out on my back. And all of a sudden, I said, Vicki, did you grunt or snort? She said, no. I said, I heard something. So we picked up the pace. We were walking up, and she just, just really ran out of gas. She got completely exhausted. She said, I can't go any further. I'm sitting there thinking, boy, what a dummy you are, Dennis. You didn't have to walk this trail. You could have found another trail. I've been worrying the whole time. and I got this big stick in my hand. I've seen brown bears up close in Alaska. And black bears can't meet nearly as big. But, but uh, Vicky can't even run away while I'm beating on the bear with a stick. You know, all these crazy thoughts going through my mind. So Vicky sat down on the rock. She said, I can't go any farther. And then we heard the bear bellow. I'm telling you, Vicky was like catapulted up into the air. And when she hit the ground, she hit the ground moving. The couple behind us with their kids kept wandering off in the woods, kept me anxious in front all the time. They got ahead of us on the trail. And we made it out there, not sighting any bear. We heard him rustling in the bushes. I got in my car and I think, thought, man, what a dummy. That's three hours of anxiety that I didn't have to have. I could have found a bear less trail in my life. Here's what I'm telling you. Don't be smarter than your pastor. Be smarter than your pastor. Don't live another day with anxiety and stress and despair and fear and worry in your life.
Learn how to rejoice. Pray. Turn your birds over to the Lord. Live a godly life. Put your mind on things above. Trust the Lord completely, and He will fill your mind and your life. If you were encouraged by today's message, make sure to rate us and subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you stream your podcast. Again, thanks for listening to the Celebration Church Podcast.